Today's passage comes from Romans 8, verses 12 through 25, and it's printed in your bulletin if you want to follow along. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have... We wait for it patiently. Por tanto, hermanos, tenemos una obligación, pero no es la de vivir conforme a la naturaleza picaminosa, porque si ustedes viven conforme a ella, morirán. Pero si por medio del Espíritu dan muerte a los malos hábitos del cuerpo, vivirán. Porque todos los que son guiados por el Espíritu de Dios son hijos de Dios. Y ustedes no recibieron un Espíritu que de nuevo los esclavice al miedo, sino el Espíritu que los adopta como hijos y les permite clamar, Abba, Padre. El Espíritu mismo le asegura a nuestro Espíritu que somos hijos de Dios. Y si somos hijos, somos herederos, herederos de Dios y coherederos con Cristo. Pues si ahora sufrimos con Él, también tendremos parte con Él en su gloria. De hecho, considero que en nada se comparan los sufrimientos actuales con la gloria que habrá de revelarse en nosotros. La creación aguarda con ansiedad la revelación de los hijos de Dios, porque fue sometida a la frustración. Esto no sucedió por su propia voluntad, sino por la del que así lo dispuso. Pero queda la firme esperanza de que la creación misma ha de ser liberada de la corrupción que la esclaviza, para así alcanzar la gloriosa libertad de los hijos de Dios. Sabemos que toda la creación todavía gime una, como si tuviera dolores de parto, y no solo ella, sino también nosotros mismos, que tenemos las primicias del Espíritu, gemimos interiormente mientras aguardamos nuestra adopción como hijos, es decir, la redención de nuestro cuerpo. Porque en esa esperanza fuimos salvados, pero la esperanza que se ve ya no es esperanza. 
¿Quién espera lo que ya tiene? Pero si esperamos lo que todavía no tenemos, en la espera mostramos nuestra constancia. We are finishing up our sermon series here today, Growing My Grace. We've got a guest speaker uh, coming in next week, uh, Reverend Randy Neighbors, a uh, wonderful speaker. You won't want to miss uh, that occasion. Uh, but today, finishing up the last in this series on ways to grow in the gospel and the grace of God ways to grow spiritually. And so we've been talking about a number of different ingredients or tools, you might call it, of, that we can apply to our lives and grow. Read, meditate on the Bible, God's Word, check. Pray, conversation with God, check. Enter into relationships with other people, not only receiving love, but also giving love to others, serving, check. Seek solitude, being alone with God and stillness before him. Check. Suffer. Wait a minute. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Suffer. 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 Let's start by praying. We cry out to you, God, Abba. Father, Padre, we need your help. We do call to you, asking that you would open your word to us in a way that uh, changes our lives. I don't know what kind of expectations each of us came here today with, but in this moment, would you heighten our expectation of what you might possibly do in our lives and in our church and maybe even in some ways the story of this neighborhood because of who you are and how powerful your word is and how wise your spirit is whom we ask would come and weave into our hearts into our lives and do his work do your work God I feel inadequate God I feel weak before this topic so I pray less of you less of me and more of you help us to see you in Christ's name we pray amen there is something about the experience of shared suffering isn't there something about the experience of shared suffering when you hold something in common with someone that happens to be a struggle or a challenge or an area of pain, maybe you've been a part of a support group or you've met different friends or you've been and walked with individuals who have gone through a, a similar kind of crisis or trial or just daily challenge as you have and you've experienced this kind of solidarity because there's something powerful about the experience of shared Suffering. One little goofy illustration of this is the way in which Paul and I have remarked how it's funny the minute that we had our baby, and especially in this early phase, trying to 
see the baby through the trials and challenges of early parenting and trying to keep the little thing alive and learning how to take care of them and, uh, and all the fears you deal with and all the wisdom that you need and the sleepless nights and all of this, it's almost as if you entered into this unspoken club where we will see uh, another couple or an individual holding a baby, either just holding them in their arms or maybe dangling with a Bjorn or something like this, and you see them walking towards you, and if you're holding your child, you immediately get eye contact. It's the weirdest thing. And when you pass by each other, you kind of give each other this sort of knowing nod. (laughs) You know, it's sort of like you're in the fight club and you all know it, but you're not, you know, something strange like this. It's it's this unspoken solidarity that you have just by sharing this same, look, joyful but trying experience. There's so many different versions of this. These times when you bump into somebody or you're getting to know someone and suddenly as their story unravels or is told to you or as you tell yours, this area of pain, this trial, this excruciating place of suffering perhaps, and you start to say, maybe to yourself, maybe out loud, you too, I thought I was the only one. Shared suffering deepens relationship. We experience this in our human relationships. Why would it be any different with God in our relationship with Him? Why would it be any different in a deepening relationship with Jesus, the one who the Bible calls the suffering servant, that somehow in a strange and mysterious way that there would be greater intimacy forged with Jesus through our pain. Which is the exact opposite of how we would want it to happen. Johnny Erickson Tata, who's become a wonderful Bible teacher and author and Christian leader in many respects has largely ministered out of her story of suffering. A gifted teacher and instructor and author, but also a quadriplegic who suffered paralysis after a terrible uh, diving accident when she was a younger young lady. And all the physical pains of that trial, physically as well as emotionally and psychologically, just battling, coping with life and getting through with life. And she speaks very openly and honestly about those trials and the ups and downs and these seasons of hardness and rebellion and anger and all these different things that you would imagine that maybe you yourself are going through even now, even if you're going through lesser forms of pain and frustration. And I'm reading through her different writings and her book and the latest book that she wrote, which just came out last year. And of course, she read, she wrote the whole first section of it. And I got to the epilogue in the end, and it says 2010, right before she published it, update here, I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. On top of all of that, now breast cancer. This woman who has thought and meditated and reflected and prayed and lived through so much says this, the invitation to know God, really know Him, is always an invitation to suffer.
This is what Paul is getting at in this passage, which has so much going on it. And I look forward to the day that we'll be able to unpack it in great detail. For today, in the brief time that we have together, I just want to zoom in on and focus on this little piece in verse 17 that is so often missed or overlooked or maybe subconsciously, consciously ignored, where Paul talks about our suffering. Look, Paul is going through this wonderfully glorious explanation of all that God has done for us in Jesus. He has just finished talking about the wonderful ways in which God has met us as struggling, helpless sinners, people that are in rebellion against God and who are enslaved to ourselves in our selfishness, which is the essence of sin, friends. And he tells us that not only has God forgiven you and me if you would embrace Jesus, forgiven us of our sins because he has taken the condemnation that we deserved and God's justice has been satisfied, justice that now flows to us as mercy and forgiveness. But not only has God done this legally, forgiving us, he's given us himself in relationship, even calling us his children. You see this language all throughout this passage. The height of the blessing of the gospel is not just being a forgiven sinner, it's being called son and daughter. To have the affection of God, the protection of God, the commitment of God, the strong hand of God, the lap of God, the love of God, to be able to call him Father, to be able to cry out to him. Paul talks about this, having this inward instinct now, not just to have answers in the midst of trial, but to be able to cry out. The deep inward catharsis of knowing whom you can turn to even if you don't have answers, to know you have a daddy that will embrace you in it. Abba, Aramaic, for father. And as Paul is talking about being children of the father, he gets to this thought, that as children then, we share in the inheritance, the spiritual riches of all that God wants to bless us with, giving all of himself to us, an inheritance, he gives this to us through his natural son, our elder brother, Jesus. We get what he gets. His glory, His righteousness, His infinite love and intimacy that He shares with God the Father. Everything that belongs to Jesus is now yours if you embrace Him. Everything that belongs to Jesus, His inheritance is now yours, including His suffering. Verse 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. The word literally that Paul uses there, share in his sufferings, is that we might be a co-sufferer, a co-sufferer with Christ. Paul describing Christian pain as a suffering with. 
And the only place that that one word is used all throughout the New Testament is in a place in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul is talking about the community of faith as being a body, different members of the same one body. That's how intimately interlinked you are in community. And he says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. That there is a co-suffering dynamic that the community of faith is to share one with another. All suffer together. If there's a hurting member in the church, in the community, you're to enter into their world and hurt with them. You're to do what you can emotionally, practically, in every way to put yourself into their shoes and feel what they feel and think what they think and see that circumstance through their eyes. This is the same word that Paul uses here in this passage when he says, do that with Jesus in your pain. Philippians 3.10 puts it this way, a parallel idea when Paul says, I want to know Christ. What does he say? I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. How do you get to know Jesus Christ and all that he promises to be for us? Paul, how do I know him? Read my Bible? Yes. Pray? Yes. Be in community? Yes. Solitude, service, Practical living, all these things, yes. Paul, how do I get to know Jesus? Share in his suffering. Spiritually enable oneself to identify with his suffering. This is what Paul is saying we have before us every time you're afflicted with pain. An opportunity, an opportunity to put on his sandals and to put on his tunic, to walk in his shoes to be taken back 2,000 years, to suffer what Jesus suffered emotionally, mentally, experiencing it personally so that you might know what it was to be Him for you. So let me put it to you this way. Sharing in Christ's sufferings means a couple of things. Number one, it means a deeper and more personal understanding of why Jesus had to suffer. Sharing in Jesus' suffering means having a more personal and more deep understanding of why Jesus had to suffer. He came and he put onto his back and heaped upon himself every possible dimension of human frustration and discomfort and suffering. Friends, do you understand that? That Jesus entered into every full part of our human existence, including our pain, and he died to make all things new. He entered into every area of pain in order to renovate every area of pain, in order to heal every broken part, to make all dead things new, physically, spiritually, Not only us individually, but even the whole cosmos. That's what this whole second part of the passage is getting to. That the creation is longing for the day that it too will be renewed. Because God's salvation is so big that He is not satisfied just with saving individuals, though that is the beaming joy of His heart. But He wants to save and renew all things that He has made. 
everything so that there's a waiting for us in the future, a time and a place and a day where there is no more tears. There are no more tears and no more pain and no more death and no more frustration and no more loss and grief and no more brokenness in relationship or in body. This is what Jesus came to do for us. But listen, if I feel like I'm okay, or if I feel like the world is okay, then this suffering sacrifice of Jesus makes no sense to me. It's only when I'm in touch with the sufferings of my own flesh and heart that I begin to understand what it is that God himself needed to come to enter into in order to rescue me and this world from. We live in a broken and pain-filled world. Paul in this passage says there's a lot of groaning going on. Groaning in the natural world, groaning inwardly in our own hearts. Paul even describes it as labor pains and frustration, bondage to decay. And Paul says here, in sharing in Christ's sufferings, God is speaking to us in our pain about a world that desperately needs a healer and a savior. Phil Yancey, a great Christian author in an essay called The Gift of Pain, puts it this way. Pain is a megaphone of God, which sometimes murmuring, sometimes shouting, reminds us that something is wrong. It is a rumor of transcendence which convinces us the entire human condition is out of whack. Yancey continues, we could, and some people do, believe that the purpose of life here is to be comfortable. Is that what's in your heart? It often is in mine. That's my goal, to be comfortable. Enjoy yourself, build a nice home, engorge good food, have sex, live the good life. That's all there is. But the presence of suffering complicates that philosophy. It's much harder to believe that the world is here for my hedonistic fulfillment when a billion of its people go to bed starving each night. It's much harder to believe that the purpose of life is to feel good when I see people smashed on the freeway. If I try to escape the idea and merely enjoy life, suffering is there haunting me, reminding me of how hollow this life would be if this world were all I'd ever know. Do you see the gift and the blessing of being encountered with and even screamed at with, could we put it that way, about how broken this world is, how much healing we desperately need, how helpless we are to fix it. That the deeper we get ingrained into and involved in and engaged with the harsh realities of this fallen world, the more it starts to make you say, I need a Savior. We need, this world needs a Savior. And here then, through that crack in the doorway, enters in the one who says, I'm the bread of life, here to feed your hungry souls. I'm the light of the world, here to shine my light into your very real darkness. 
I am the healer of your souls. I am the healer of your bodies. I'm going to mend you and all things by my unmending, my torture, my death, my sufferings on the cross. That's how I'm going to do it in great gospel paradox. But you don't look for him unless you start to hurt a little bit, right? And I don't think the Bible means this flippantly. I don't think the Apostle Paul means this glibly. But oh, the blessings of understanding that this world is broken. Just even this week, pondering this idea, people in my life, people in your lives, that are just going through a lot, every one of us in some way. The physically and emotionally draining struggles of terminal illness and of chronic pain. Not only for the patient himself or herself, but also for the caregiver. Giving and giving and giving. The loneliness of disconnected relationships. When you get to that point of almost feeling like it's better not even to want to look for it, people. Intimacy. The heartache of infertility, of losing a child, the agony of the uncertainty, where you're almost afraid to want, to hope, to desire. Maybe the disappointment of plans that just haven't worked out with your job, or just the dream that you thought you were going to be entering into. Maybe at this later stage or chapter in life, the agony of regret, the sadness of the death of a loved one, never being able to see them face to face in this life any longer. Or maybe just the, 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 the weariness of battling spiritually and just wanting to throw the towel in. It just doesn't feel like it's worth it. I'm just too tired. Or maybe it's the stress of an intense workplace, the stress of financial uncertainty, struggling to make ends meet, the stress of facing jail time, the sadness of a bad breakup, wondering if you'll ever get married, wondering if you'll ever meet someone that understands you, wondering if you'll ever have anyone that you can really, truly call a friend. It's hard, isn't it? What Paul is putting before us is you have an opportunity here. You have an opportunity there to walk through that door and experience personally, firsthand, deeply in your heart the reason for which Jesus needed to come. The reason for which Jesus needed to suffer and die. A deeper and more personal understanding of why he had to suffer in the way that he did. Secondly, and related to this, is that sharing in his sufferings means entering into his shoes, his experience of this world, and entering into a more personal understanding of what it cost him to love. What it cost Jesus to love me, to love you to understand that every prick of pain in my life, in my body, or my heart is a lesson about what Jesus deliberately chose in order to rescue us, in order to have us, 
Suffering for the rest of us is, a cho- is not a choice. For Jesus, it was a choice. The eternal Son of God, not considering it His task to remain bodiless and formless, but rather came and made himself nothing, taking on human flesh, suffering as a servant, suffering as you and me. We can talk about the love of Jesus in a way that can become so sentimental where the cost of what it took for him to come and die and have us or forgive us can become so thin if we don't know the depth of what he had to endure, which we become better acquainted with when we feel it in our own heart and even in our own bodies, where the life of Jesus becomes very real to me, where he becomes more enfleshed in my flesh, And where I start to be able to read these accounts of what Jesus endured when he was here. Maybe you've experienced this. You're reading the Bible and it just feels so distant or so far where you don't really know what it's talking about. Here is a means, a doorway that God has given to you. Your pain, which can map onto and become a channel of your experience of God through his suffering, through your own suffering that you might be able to nod and say, I think I understand just a little taste of what he had to endure. I think I understand what he had to give up. Because I know what it's like to suffer loss. And I know what it's like to endure stress or sleeplessness or to feel pain in my body. I know what it's like to lose relationship. All these things that Jesus endured infinitely for my sake out of love. A love which suffering deepens in my experience. Thirdly and lastly, and just to close with this thought, I'll open it up for some questions. Sharing in Christ's sufferings mean, means a deeper and more personal understanding of his family glory. His family glory. Paul points us to the fact that once you're a child, and this is what's hard to get our minds around, one of the greatest privileges of being a child in this family of God is to be like your older brother in his sufferings. One of the greatest privileges, have you ever thought of it this way, of being one who bears the name of Jesus Christ, whether if you are walking with Him and have for a number of years or you're looking into what it means to do this, one of the greatest privileges is to suffer with Him. What a thought! But not just as an end in and of itself, but to suffer knowing that the whole story of what it means to be like your elder brother is also to be ushered into glory. To be ushered into glory. That if you share in the reality of the suffering servant and the experience of the sufferings of Christ, the pattern always is suffering and then glory brokenness and then wholeness, death and then resurrection. And so you get to bring it on 
in part here and now, fully one day when Jesus returns. But this is your hope, being a part of this family. Yes, bearing the sufferings of this family, the family of God. And yet as part of that family, knowing one day, one day, we'll be just like this older brother. Visually, visibly, physically, spiritually, in every way. The end of all suffering, the hope of glory, the day that is coming soon. This is the promise that we have. Sharing in His likeness in every way. In every way. Friends, we can't grow spiritually without starting to press in in this direction. It doesn't happen automatically. It takes deliberate engagement of our souls in the ways that we have talked about. We cannot know God, walk with God, deepen our faith, enlarge our souls, increase our joy in the gospel, strengthen our grasp of God's grace without some measure of faith intermingled with pain. It's one of the greatest tools and ingredients that has God has given us through Jesus. The question is, will we humbly, tremblingly, Embrace it. Let's pray. God, we look to you for help. Asking you, show us what to do with this. Show us what to do with this in our lives, in our community, in our neighborhood. And we offer to you asking your spirit to give us grace to understand and to follow. And Jesus, I know there, there is in this room represented here just mountains of frustration and pain and discomfort. God, I pray that you would give us grace to grapple with that stuff now, to not tuck it away, but to bring it before you, to lay it at your feet, and to be able to say to you, God, what do I do with this pain? And that you by your Spirit would show us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing this song. Uh, It is well with my soul, an old hymn, just thinking through some of the troubles of life, bringing that before God. See